Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Syphilis is caused by the bacterium Treponema pallidum, which is a gram-negative organism, but it's hard to stain because the cell wall is too thin. We call this organism a spirochete based on its really interesting corkscrew shape. It wiggles and twists in a unique way called rotary motion. It has a very high surface lipid content, which helps the bacteria hide from T cells, which can only see protein molecules. Syphilis is found worldwide and transmitted through sexual contact, especially without barrier methods. It's important to understand that the barrier method is only helpful if it covers the actual lesion, if this lesion is located in a different spot. The barrier isn't going to help. It's not like putting on a condom gives you a sudden invisible force field. One or two months after transmission, a canker will form at the location of entry into the body. The canker is most often painless, single ulceration. The patient could form lymphadenopathy in the draining lymph node and condylomata lata. This ulceration doesn't hurt and will seemingly disappear within a week, even without treatment. So it's possible that a patient may not seek treatment during this stage, which we call primary syphilis. If the patient remains untreated, the bacteria will disseminate and cause systemic symptoms and vasculitis, which we call secondary syphilis. About one month after the resolution of the primary canker, patients will most often present with fever, anorexia, malaise, weight loss, sore throat, high serum liver enzyme levels, and most characteristically, a diffuse symmetric macular or papular erythematous rash that extends onto the palms of the hands or soles of the feet. The rash can also seemingly resolve within a month without any treatment. After the rash resolves, all symptoms can seemingly disappear from months to years. We consider this time to be latent syphilis. Even though the bacteria doesn't go into a latent stage, it's just that the patient doesn't have any outward signs of the infection. So it's slightly different than latent viral infections. Eventually, the low-grade level of inflammation and constant dissemination and spread will catch up with the patient, and the patient will begin to uh, present with symptoms characteristic of tertiary syphilis. If the patient presents with neurosyphilis, they will most likely have general paresis or tabes dorsalis. If they present with cardiosyphilis, they will have small vessel vasculitis, which will eventually present as aoritis. The patient can also have for the formation of gumas all over the body. Gumas are when the body tries to form granulomas, but the body isn't able to completely wall off the organism so tissue damage at the location occurs. Gumas most often present in the skin and bones, but can also form in the organs. The diagnosis of syphilis is the hard part. The first test you should do is a nonspecific test. You'll choose either the VDLR or the RPR test. VDLR stands for Venereal Disease Research Laboratory Test, and RPR stands for Reactive Plasma Reagent. These tests are nonspecific tests because they don't look directly for the presence of treponema pallidum. They are looking for the presence of an antibody against cardiolipin, lecithin, and cholesterol particles. These are molecules that are expressed in the body during times of cellular stress and death. 
Once they are expressed, the patient's immune system will try to clear them by creating antibodies against it. The VDLR or RPR tests will detect those antibodies. Because they aren't specific for tryponema pallidum, they can cause false positive results. Therefore, once you have a positive result, you have to confirm the result by using a test that specifically detects the organism. There are many different options for this now, but the board relevant option is the FTA-ABS test, which is the fluorescent treponemal antigen antibody test. This utilizes antibodies that have a fluorescent molecule attached to their butts, and the specific N attaches only to the treponemal antigens. Therefore, this is a specific test. Once you've diagnosed syphilis, treatment is super easy. Just throw some penicillin on that. Although there has been a rise of penicillin-resistant strains, so follow-up is important. Occasionally, the treatment of all spirochete bacteria can cause the formation of, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, look it up, it's JH reaction. This is when all antibodies um, will kill the spirochete bacteria, releasing products that really ramp up the levels of TNF-alpha, causing the host to have flu-like symptoms. Lyme disease can be caused by many different species within the Borrelia genus. The most common of these in the U.S. is Borrelia burgdorferi, which is commonly found in the northeastern U.S. This is another gram-negative spirochete organism. It is transmitted through the bite of the exodes species tick, especially in the summer months when ticks are biting. Lyme disease has three main stages that are not universally agreed upon yet, so take this categorization with a grain of salt. The first stage is called early localized Lyme disease and typically presents with flu-like symptoms and the bullseye rash. The bullseye rash is actually called erythema migrans, which is that expanding erythematous rash with central clearing that appears one to two weeks after a tick bite. The erythematous area is actually where the spirochetes are located in the skin and continues to expand because they are spreading from the area of the bite. Only a quarter of the population with Lyme disease actually remember a tick bite, so don't use this to help your differential in the real world. Typically, just one erythema migraine's lesion forms. However, patients can have multiple, but it's not due to multiple tick bites, but dissemination of the bacteria into multiple areas of the skin. The next stage is early disseminated Lyme disease, which occurs weeks after the appearance of the rash. This will either present with neurological symptoms like bilateral Bell's palsy, lymphocytic meningitis, or peripheral neuropathy. It can also present with cardiac involvement, including heart block. Late Lyme disease can form months to years after the tick bite and presents as a migratory large joint swelling and pain. The patients might also present with Lyme encephalopathy during the stage, which presents as a subtle finding of spinal radicular pain or distal parathesias. Post-Lyme disease presents with headache, fatigue, and arthralgias for months after treatment that usually resolves six months to one year in someone who is diagnosed and adequately treated with Lyme disease. There's a lot of controversy about this presentation. Some patient advocacy groups insist that this is an infection that has not been completely cleared by the antibiotic treatment. However, persistent intravenous antibiotics for months doesn't seem to relieve the symptoms. 
and scientists aren't able to find solid evidence of the presence of bacteria in these patients. Therefore, this is most likely a reactive arthritis or a cross-reaction autoimmune disorder caused by the previous infections. You'll rely on clinical symptoms to diagnose early localized Lyme disease. For patients with early disseminated or late Lyme disease, you can utilize serology, but prior infections with Lyme disease might complicate these results since the antibodies persist for years after the primary infection. Diagnosing post-Lyme disease is really complicated because you can't actually detect the bacterial presence. You're just testing for the presence of antibodies, which they will definitely have, especially if you've already diagnosed the patient with Lyme disease. That's what makes it so difficult to determine the cause of post-Lyme disease and whether new antibiotic treatments would help or not. The vector exodes species tick often also transmits Babesia species, the protozoal organisms, causing a co-infection of both organisms. Therefore, it's appropriate to screen for Babesia species or other tick-borne infections. Treatment, though, is mostly simple, typical doxycycline. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A 37-year-old male presented to the clinic with a one-week history of anal ulcer. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 99 degrees Fahrenheit, a blood pressure of 115 over 68, a pulse over of 56 beats per minute, a respiratory rate of 19, and an oxygen saturation of 99% on room air. Physical examination revealed a one centimeter indurated anal lesion. Laboratory studies revealed leukocytosis, elevated transaminases, positive reactive plasma reagent, and an elevated urine creatinine ratio. What is the most appropriate next step? Is it A, treat with penicillin, B, biopsy lesion, C, utilize test for specific antigens, or D, test with the venereal disease research laboratory test. First, diagnose the patient. This patient is presenting with an anal ulceration, fever, leukocytosis, liver damage, kidney damage, and a positive reactive plasma reagent test. This is the RPR test that is non-specific screening test for treponema pallidum. Because this is a non-specific test, you, should, you could have a false positive result. This means that the patient could have Lyme disease, HIV, malaria, systemic lupus erythematosus, pregnancy, although probably this male patient isn't pregnant, and some pneumonias can cause a false positive as well. Therefore, before you move on to treatment, you should verify that this patient has syphilis with an antigen-specific test. Choice A, you should always verify that this patient has syphilis before prescribing antibiotics. If you skip the verification step, the patient might have an autoimmune disease that would require anti-inflammatories and not antibiotics. Choice B, biopsying the lesion might be beneficial if this patient is still within the primary syphilis stage. However, the damage to the liver and kidneys suggests that this organism has already disseminated and this individual is probably in secondary syphilis. Choice C, the appropriate next step for positive VDLR or RPR test is to utilize a test that looks for specific treponemal antigens. 
There are many different options for this, but the most famous is the fluorescent treponemal antigen antibody test. Choice D, test with VDLR. The RPR test is a nonspecific treponemal test. Doubling up and doing a second version of this test is not going to verify that you have syphilis. This is why you don't do a second nonspecific test. You need to verify now that you have syphilis or not, especially with pregnant patients. Therefore, the correct answer is C, FTA, ABS. A 50-year-old female presents to the urgent care clinic with extreme headaches, fever, with intermittent shivering cold spells, a 10 out of 10 generalized joint pain, excessive thirst and fluid intake, and a progressing rash on her back. Three days prior to presenting, she noticed a small, slightly raised lesion that looked like an insect bite in the area on her back. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 104.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Physical examination revealed an erythematous circular rash that had an area that was flesh-colored in the center. What is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, impetigo, B, tinea corporis, C, Lyme disease, or D, cellulitis? This patient is presenting with a high-grade fever, headaches, intense joint pain, excessive thirst, and fluid intake, and a progressing erythematous rash following a possible insect bite. This is highly suspicious for Lyme disease. Choice A, impetigo, would present as fluid-filled vesicles that would pop and form brown-colored or honey-colored crusts. These would also most likely present on the face and not the back. B, tinea corporis, typically presents without any systemic symptoms like fever, headaches, chills, etc. Choice C, Lyme disease, can present as a progressing erythematous rash that accompanies systemic flu-like symptoms. Choice D, cellulitis, would present with an erythematous rash that progresses, but there would not be an area of clearing or a flesh-colored area in the center. The entire affected area would be erythematous. Therefore, the correct answer is C, Lyme disease. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.